Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So we're right in the middle of having coffee with Grandpa. Okay, Solomon has, he's been sitting there imparting wisdom, all the wisdom of life. And now remember, as you and I, quote unquote, his grandkids, we have been invited over to hang out with grandpa. He's called us over to his house. If we were to kind of timeline this, Solomon is older at this point. He's sitting on his couch that's probably wrapped in plastic. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you remember the days when your couch was in plastic, and that's probably grandpa Solomon's. He offers us some coffee, and he begins to share with us his wisdom in life. Now, two weeks ago, guys, we left, we left off where Grandpa Solomon was tired and he looked at us and he said, I'm going to go take a nap. You stay here. I want to take a nap. And, and so basically for the last two weeks, we've been doing what grandkids do. You go, what's that? We kind of been snooping around Grandpa Solomon's house, right? We've been looking at pictures and and we saw a picture, hey, there's King David, look, that's dad, that's King David. We saw a picture of Solomon, you know, as a boy holding Goliath's head, you know, and you're going, wait, wait, Ben, Ben, hold on, hold on. <laughs> where does that say, that doesn't read in my Bible, I don't, where do you find that? Well, it's not in your Bible. And I'm simply trying to get the narrative so we can grasp the weight of the text. Here we are. And two weeks ago, here's what we learned. Solomon has imparted some really great things that we need to take to heart. Now, do you remember what he shared with us? Let me remind you. He started out in verse 1 where he reads, A good reputation is more valuable than most expensive perfume. Okay, that's where he starts out. A good reputation is is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. Now, you got to grasp that. You go, why? What does Solomon say? There are things that make you more attractive, okay? There really are. Things that you can do to improve yourself. You go, well, like what? Well, first and foremost, you can go to the gym. You can pump some iron. You could lose some weight. You can also go to the tanning salon. You can sit there and be tanned, or you can get some teeth whitening, or a nicer haircut, whatever it might be. Or you can go out and buy the right clothes, or Wear the right cologne or, or, or the perfume that just really makes you smell good. But what Solomon wants to remind us in the end, he's saying, really, who cares? Who cares? How good you look or how good you smell? He goes, at the end of the day, is if when your name is mentioned, people roll their eyes? Wow. A good name, guys, a good reputation, a good name is more valuable than even how we look. And Grandpa Solomon would sit down and he'd look and he'd say, listen, I don't care if you're bringing sexy back. That's what he would tell us. If what's on the inside is better than what's on the outside. And then he looks at us as we're drinking coffee, you know, and he goes, oh, oh, oh by the way, he goes, let me, say, let me share this. You know what's better than being born and you and I are going, well, maybe living, getting married, buying a house, what? He goes, dying. 
And we're sitting, you know, just wondering what Grandpa Solomon is. Grandpa, what do you mean? Well, here's what we need to understand. He's not contrasting birth or the birth and the death, nor was he suggesting that it's better to die than to be born. He was contrasting two significant day in the human experience, okay? He says, you know what's better? He goes, what? Well, birth, it's all about potential. It's all about potential. What the what ifs of life, you know, when the little baby's born, you go, wow, I wonder, you know, what, you know, and then, and then they're just excited about their whole life. He says, but what's better is dying. And you go, why? Well, for the believer, you see, it's all about fulfillment. It's all about fulfillment. It's, it's not going into our final age and our, our final death with regrets. And he's going, man, this is, this is what we did. We did this for the Lord, and we, we were there for the Lord, and we showed up, and, and this was amazing. And, oh, I remember we got together, and we laughed so hard that, well, I've got to tell you, I think, I think some of us um, peed our pants we laughed so hard. I mean, it was so good, and, and we're just so, and, and, and he wants us to enjoy life. You see, one of the things that the enemy will come back and look at us and go, well, Christians can't enjoy your life. We're, we're a bunch of Eeyores when it comes to Christian, and we're just, we can't be happy, and we can't laugh, and we can't have any fun. And so the world goes, well, why would you want to do that? If you, and, and Solomon's going, no, 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 you can have fun. You can laugh. You can be fulfilled. He says, but for the believer, hey, it's all about fulfillment. And Solomon advised the people to look death in the face and to learn from it, from learn from it. He says, he says, look at me, don't be preoccupied by it, but learn from it, learn from it. The New Living Translation would say, it's better for you to spend time at funerals than festivals, for you're going to die and it's a good thing to think about it while there's still time, there's still time, okay? He says, listen, it's better for us it's, and this is weighty because in verse 4 he says, The heart of the wise is at the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools in the house of mirth. And, and you're, think, think about this. We're sitting around Grandpa Solomon. We're having coffee. He's just, he's just giving us wisdom. And he's just reminding us, guys, that, that it's better for you to spend time at a funeral. <clears throat> Who would say that? <clears throat> hey, guess what? So-and-so died. Want to come over? No. Hey, why don't we meet at so-and-so's funeral? I think it'll be a great time. No, that's weird, dude. How about we have a barbecue and we'll make some... St- that will be a great time. Let's play a game, whatever. And that's how we think. But Solomon, Solomon is reminding us that when it comes to grief and sorrow and frustration and pain and death, whether God sends them or we walk into them, He says, if you are wise, if you allow these things to do surgery in your heart and to remove the things that keep you from coming to Jesus for that healing, to keep you from walking to Christ, walking with Christ in satisfaction. So think about what he's saying. You and I, we need to let the scriptures begin to read us and as it begins to read us, it would be wise for us to go, okay, how do, how, do I apply, how do I apply this? He says, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Okay, how do I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can there be healing in this? Because the contrast is he's saying this. He's going, because here's, here's the problem. Listen to me. He said, but the heart of fools, guess where it is? It's at the party scene. It's, 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 
And really the party scene and all of this stuff, guys, is masking the pain of really what life is. That's, that's, I mean, I mean, think about what he's telling us. He's saying, you know, mirth can be for us. Well, it could be a strip bar. It could be a bar. It could be a club. It could be any place where we hide the pain. And so what does the fool do instead of running to the Lord for hope and healing? He numbs the pain with any vice he can make. Any vice. I think every one of us in this room can honestly give a hearty amen knowing that we have, in some way, shape, or form, done something, taken something, drank something, ate something, been in a relationship with someone to ease the pain of something else. And the sad part is it didn't ease the pain. It took it away for about half a second, and then you go, oh, oh, it's, it's still there. I still have to deal with me. So then he moves from that place to another piece of wisdom. He says, it's better for the wise person to, it's better for the wise person rebuke than hear the flattery of fools. And nobody wants to be praised by a fool. And so the one thing he's saying is it's better, it's better, guys, it's better to hear a wise person's rebuke. Now, here's what you have to do. You have to be willing to allow someone into your life to speak into your life, even if it is rebuke. Even if it is. And that is the rub. I'll tell you why. Because when someone comes into your life and begins to point out some of the areas where you fall, where you fail, instead of allowing that to grow you and learn, what do we do? We get defensive right away and we say, well, let me tell you some things about you. I don't know if you knew this. And we're very defensive people. We don't want to be hurt, so we get protective and we get defensive. But the question here, and, and, and really the, the statement here, is it's better in the long run to hear these things because, because if you'll go through all the steps, somebody says, well, Ben, I think da-da-da, and, and oh, oh, you know, you. let me tell you about you, and what about you, and I'm so mad at you. And then you go home and you start to think, oh, you know, maybe there's some truth in that. Maybe he saw something in my life that's not really honoring to God. And, and I know that. I'm convicted of that on my own. He saw it. And so, Lord, and, and so we can repent. We can repent. If you've been married a long time and you've had a fight or an argument with your spouse, a lot of the times it stems, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, well, let me tell you about you, and let me. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on. But the healing comes is when we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, and then we can grow from that. But nobody likes to be corrected. But but Solomon here says, listen. Here's what we need to ask yourselves. He says, listen. Um, it's better to hear this this rebuke than to hear the flattery of fools. Man, I don't know about you, but nobody wants to be praised by a fool. And so we have to ask ourselves, quite honestly, who do we run with? Who do we hang with? And you go, why? Because, because the people you surround yourself with is what you are going to be like. Tell me you, show me your friends, and I'll show you who you are. And that's what he says. If you hang around wise guys and you hang, and you hang around 
you know, biblical guys and you hang around encouraging guys and you hang around guys that, that, that challenge you and push you to, to be better in Christ, that's what you're going to do. But if you hang around a bunch of guys who want to bring you down and tear you down and, and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, you guys know the story. I don't have to bring this up, but I will since I have the platform. Um, when you hang around negative people all the time, what happens? You become negative, don't you? You find yourself complaining about stuff you never complained about before. You're like, and, and you're going, I, that doesn't really bother me, but, but since I've been around this negative person and they, and they can find negative on everything, this is what we become, and so we have to be careful. This is what he's saying. He's saying, this is the word of God. Who, who are we hanging around with? And you might have family that are negative Nellies. You might have family that, that bring in a lot of junk into your life, and so you have to do the biblical thing. And you don't, you don't ostracize them, but you might have to put some boundaries, and you say, okay, you got, I've got to be careful because I know, I know how this is going to end up. I know how this is going to end up. So I'm, I'm going to put some, some beautiful boundaries, but I want to let the people who encourage me, I want to let the people who love me, I want to let the people who can speak into my life be close and and, and, and hear something. Hear something that's hard to do. Go to somebody you trust, somebody you love, and say, what do you see in my life that's not pleasing to the Lord? What do you see? What do you see? I won't be I won't belabor the point because we've talked about we've talked about that. But if you've ever gone in a wreck, probably the majority of the time is they were in your blind spot, weren't they? You didn't see them. You have your mirror, and you can look back, but there's a blind spot here. And so, what we need to do is we need to be careful with our blind spots and allow. Somebody we really trust and we really love. Somebody who's going to just encourage us. Hey, what, what, where's my blind spots? Do you see them? Could you help me? Could you help me? Then Solomon goes on, guys, and we talked about this, and he shares another, another bit of wisdom. Verse 6, he says, For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so laughter of the fool. He says, this is also vanity. You go, what did he just say? He says, wise people don't laugh when they're on fire. As a matter of fact, wise people scream, I'm on fire. But a fool laughs when the world falls apart right in front of, right in front of them. So, so, speaking of the Israeli war, speaking of that going on, you have two groups of people. You have the Christians who are very concerned, who are praying, I stand with Israel. You have those that are going, okay, where does this fit biblically? And then you have a group of people who have no clue what it's all about, and they actually don't know what's... And they, they're... What if God wanted to grab the unbeliever and say, look, you need to talk to somebody. This is real, and, 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 and we can share. We can share. But a fool laughs while the world falls apart right in front of him. Right in front of him. So Grandpa went off. We, we're, we're kind of messing around. And then we hear him. He's up. He's coming back down. He calls us back into the living room. He warms up the cup of coffee and he says, let me, let me tell you some more. Okay? So, Grandpa, here we go. Verses 8 to 10, giving us some more wisdom. Look at verse 8 in your Bibles. He says, the end of the thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do not say... Why were the former days better than these? For do not inquire wisely concerning this. 
Now, again, I, I want you to picture the scene. There we are with Grandpa, he's, and he just starts giving us this wisdom. And can you imagine? I want you to think for a moment your Grandpa, maybe, or, or maybe your Grandpa's gone and you have an elderly dad or whatever it might be, and so you're sitting there and you're getting this wisdom and you're thinking, he's going to tell us about cousin so-and-so and how they married, you know, whatever it might be. And he looks at you and he goes, hey, let me, let me say that. Look at me, look at me. Um, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Grandpa, you, you want to talk to us about life? Yeah, see, what he wants to do is, is, is in the second part, is he wants, to, he wants to talk to us starting about life in verse 8. And what he wants to remind us, and I think this is so important, here's the application, guys, jot this down. He, he wants us to... Well, he's declaring that we should always have the end in mind. The end in mind. And you go, Ben, I'm not sure what that means. Okay, so listen. Solomon just said that it's better for us to stand to understand life and the goal of life on earth. And if we do, notice, he says, then patience will increase and anger will decrease. If you truly understand. Let's read it again slowly. He says, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Okay, Grandpa. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten your spirit to be angry. Why? For anger rests in the bosom of fools. And do not say, Why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Grandpa, I'm, I'm not sure what you're trying to, 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 to tell us here. As you and I try to understand life and the goal in life, what we can expect is patience, and that will increase. And he says, anger will decrease. Now, when I first read this, I was actually kind of stunned. And you go, why? Because God right here said that anger rests in the bosom of fools. And I agree. Think about this for a moment. When anger rises up in you and it goes unchecked, and what happens? We really are a fool, aren't we? It goes unchecked. We have made more mistakes with an unchecked anger than anything else. Things that we say that we didn't ever really mean. And this is and it's in the word of God. He's telling us saying, "Slow down, slow down. Listen, understand life, understand life." As you begin to understand and you apply the wisdom, he says patience will increase, anger will decrease. And then he looks at us and he goes, oh, and by the way, you won't end up like Uncle Rico. And you're going, what do you mean Uncle Rico? No, 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 read the text. It's exactly, it's exactly what he said. Look at verse 10. He says, and do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you not inquire wisely of this. Do you remember Uncle Rico in that movie? He was like, oh, if I were to put me in, I could throw this football across the mountain. And he was all, he was living in his glory days back in high school. And, and, and again, we've, we've, we call them the good old days. What happened to the good old days? And he says, don't say that. Don't say that. He says, because if you actually do this, he says, you're not inquiring wisely about this. And you go, what is inquire? Well, that's asking. He goes, you know, when we really think about that, isn't that a silly, silly question? 
I can't believe the good old days. We, yeah, those days were, but, but you know what? Here we are. Here we are struggling. Okay, here we are. Our, our economy is, is, is what? I mean, we've had an increase in, in inflation and so forth. Amen? But if you were to talk to our great-grandpas and our grandpas in the Depression, they'd go, are you kidding me? We had it rough. And why would we say those were the better days? All those, you know, I sure like to live in the Depression days where we had to go out and kill our own chickens and eat. I mean, whatever it might be. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful. It's such a human, it's just a human experience to think back of the days of when, when you thought things were better. Like, like, like I grew up um, in the 80s, right? Went to high school in the 80s. I mean, it was, it was like the best time. From 1980 to 84, I was in high school. Don't try to figure out my age. I'm just telling you. And to be honest with you, I look back and think, man, those were the best times. But I've picked out the best times in that but quite honestly, high school was a bummer for me. It was no fun. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I glorified those times. I mean, just a few times that we had, but Solomon, what are you what are you saying? He's saying, Don't say. Don't say. Why were the former days better than these? If we're constantly looking back, then we're not in the moment here, are we? Come on, come on. Don't tell me none of you have ever put on older music, depending on how age you are, and think, oh, I remember that song. Boy, it takes me back to the days I remember. And you start reminiscing about all the things that you used to do, and every one of us has done that. But Solomon in the Word of God is saying, okay, I get that, but listen, don't, don't say those were better days. Because we're, not to, we're to learn from our past, we're not to live there. And when you live in your past, wherever it might be, when you, when you live there, guys, then, then you're, you can never be here for God to use you in the future. You're always stuck there. You're always stuck there. Ben, I got a question. What's the, what's the end goal? What's the end goal in life? Well, I think we got to go to the New Testament to find out what the end goal is, and it's actually found in Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, and what? And admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, what should we do? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. You want to know what the end goal in life is, guys? Is to glorify God in all we do. Glorify God. Glor- My friend Justin is a tree trimmer. And I guess the question I would ask him is, can you glorify God trimming trees? It seems like it's just a task you do and you get paid and you move on. Yes, you can glorify God in all that you do. You see, in everything that you do, whatever occupation you're in, whatever, whether you're retired, I don't care what it is, whatever you do, guys, we do unto the glory of the Lord. And we don't need a platform here because the church is not here, per se. It's out there. 
And when you go out and you do a good job as unto the Lord, whatever you might do, somebody's watching. Somebody's watching. And they're comparing. They're going, oh, we have, we have this person's not a believer. We have this person's a believer. And this one does so much more. And they don't real, they're, not, they're not complaining. They're not bringing anybody down there. They're just, they're just doing their job. Just doing their job. And people are watching. And, and, and again, think about this. The end goal in our life, you ready, church, is to glorify Christ in all we do. So in light of that, with the end in mind, Grandpa Solomon is now going to help us. What is he going to do? Well, here, taking notes, he's going to show us two specific things. In verses 11 to 18, jot this down. He's going to say, wisdom helps us see clearly. Wisdom helps us see clearly. And then point number two from 19 through 29, wisdom helps us face life stronger. So we're going to see clearly. Okay, do you remember that old song? I can see clearly now the rain. It has nothing to do with rain, but we're going to see clearly because wisdom does that. Amen? And then number two, wisdom helps us face life a little bit stronger. Okay, let's look at point number one. Let's talk, you ready? Let's talk about riches. Let's talk about wealth. Wisdom will help us see life clearly. Look at verse 11 and 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is defense as money is a defense. But the excellent of knowledge that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Wait, 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 Grandpa. What are you, what, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, go warm up my coffee and I'll tell you again. And so we... He warmed up his coffee, and we're sitting there, and, and he says, listen, wisdom is better than a generous inheritance. You go, whoa, 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 time out, Pastor, hold on. Listen, if somebody dropped six million in my lap, I would, I would be happy. Are you kidding me? Woo! I know you. And Pastor, listen, we won't leave you out. We'll build us a big church. Don't worry. A generous inheritance. No, no, no. Listen to what God's saying. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is directing us. He says, here's the thing. Money can lose its value. Money can be stolen. Money's just money. But true wisdom, he says, keeps its value and cannot be lost. And those of us who have no money go, Amen! Yeah! That's amen. But, but think about this, guys. Think about this. Put on your thinking caps. The person who has wealth with no wisdom, what do they seem to do? They seem to blow right through their inheritance, don't they? And, and man, if you went on the internet and you just looked at people who blew through the inheritance, you know, well, he won the lottery, and next thing you know, six months later, he's homeless. How does that happen? Because they have no wisdom. They have no wisdom. I'm not sure which quarterback it is. I'm, I'm pulling this out of the air. There's a quarterback in the NFL who still drives one of his old beat-up cars and has a roommate, even though he's making millions of dollars. And they tease him for that because he's like, but that's wisdom. Wisdom is dictating to him, Let, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to save for a rainy day, whatever it might be. I don't need to have the big... But then you have others who have, have no wisdom, and they get the big multi-million dollar contract, and they blow right through. They don't have any money. 
And how many of us have ever, we, we'll look at, 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 uh, at the stars that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s, and we'll say, where are they now? And they're actually doing menial jobs because they blew right through millions of dollars. And the word of God is true because it says to you and I, money can lose its value, it can be stolen, but wisdom, it's better to have wisdom. And I think about this. This is Solomon coming from a man who, well, when God came to him and asked him, do you remember that? Solomon, yes, what would you desire? Solomon goes, I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking for uh, cars and houses and all kinds of stuff. You know what he said? He said, Lord, give me wisdom to rule your people. And when he got wisdom, what was the return? He became king, and he was actually one of the richest kings ever. Ever. You go, okay, okay, so what about, what happens next? Well, look at verse 13. Look at the providence. He says, consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? And I like that. He says, see the way God does things? And he says, fall in line. Fall in line. Find out where God is and, 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 and go there. Go there. Listen. You and I, let's get this straight. We live in a fallen world. And no matter what we do, the curse from Genesis 3 is still here. Sin, guys, fractured everything. It fractured our lives. It fractured the world. It fractured everything. And when people go, well, if God is so good and God is so loving, then why does this happen and why do bad things happen and why is there cancer and why is this? Because we live in a fallen world. You understand, the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they took the keys and gave it over and and the sign read, under new management. Still belongs to God. It's still his earth. It's still his world. But now we're under new management. And that would be Satan and his demons. And they're running amok. And we're living here waiting for God in Revelation to come back and take the scroll and take the keys out of Satan's hand and boot them so he can restore what what Adam and Eve lost back in the garden. That's coming. But right now, we live in a fallen world. So what should we do? What should we do, Pastor? We simply need to learn to cooperate with the inevitable. Okay? God, listen, consider the work of God, okay? For who can make straight? God is God. God. I, I like the way one person said it. This is his show. This is his show. Okay? It is. It is. You can, we, what is meant? Okay, God, come on, I don't like what you're doing. And we want, it's, it's his show. And the sooner we come in line going, God, we trust you, we love you. And, and here's the thing, God isn't this big tyrant God that's got this billy club and wants to hit us and, and make our lives miserable. He's love and amazing and he's merciful and he's grace, he's compassionate and he's all these things that you and I, and, and, and so we have to trust that. And you have to trust that he has your best interest in his heart for a lot now you and i we make choices we make choice we sometimes we make bad choices and and we reap those consequences but all in all romans eight twenty eight, 
Romans 8.28. He causes all things to work together for the good to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so again, he's good and he's God. And you go, Ben, why, why, why again? Why, why do I need to just learn? Well, look at verse 14 with me. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversary, consider. Surely God has anointed the one as well as the other so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Now, let's read it again. In the day of prosperity, jot this down. Prosperity means good things. So in the day of good things, what does he say? Be joyful. Be joyful. Guys, if God is blessing you, man, it's okay. High five. Yeah, enjoy. He says, but in the day of adversity, circle that word because that means bad or evil things. He says, hey, and sometimes we're going to live in a life and life is going to be yucky. Life is going to be bad. And he says, in those days, he says, consider. Consider. Why? He says, so everything and everyone will realize that nothing is certain in this life. That's what he's saying. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. Wait a minute. So God brings both good and bad? Why? Why would God do? Lord, I thought you were a good God. We sing it. You're a good, good father. But so I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm confused, God. What do we do? He says, so that man can find out. What, what do I need to find out? That nothing comes, that nothing that will come after him. In other words, he is the source of life. You'll find out that there's nothing above. Now, Now, think about this. Think about this. Let's say, let's say this war that's going on in Israel right now escalates to World War III. And you got big players. You got the United States, you got Russia, you got Japan, you got all these big players. Where are we going to go? Are we going to call Elon Musk and say, hey, get us out of here? Let's, let's, let's go to another planet? No, this is our home. And so what do we do? We trust God. We trust God. Church, we can't be holding on too tight to the things down here. We can't be holding on too, too tight because what happens is that we don't look around and we don't, and and we're holding on to this life, which is, which, which, honestly, if the Lord tarries, one day this is going to stop. We're going to die. And it's okay to die for as a believer, it's okay. The body goes here, but you're never more alive. And, 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 and that's what he's trying to say. He's going to say, listen, you and I, listen. We should look forward to that day so we can learn. And you go, learn about what? Well, sometimes we just let the drama of everyday life get us down. And we look back and you go, you know what? The Lord's coming back. I'm going to let that, I'm going to shake it off. And it's not going it's not worth it's not worth that it's not. maybe for us guys we we don't we don't argue or fight with our spouse because it's not worth it 
It's not an essential. It's not like, I'm just going to show I'm right. I'm going to show I'm, I'm right. I'm the king of my castle. And it's like, just, how about enjoy life? How about enjoy life? Again, think about what he's saying. He's doing this because everybody goes, oh man, listen, um, we're certain that there's nothing in this life. Well, it goes on, and Grandpa Solomon takes a break. He sort of looks off in the distance and for a minute, then turns back to us. And before you and I can answer, he starts again. Look at verse 15. I've seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes for his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Now, if you have a pencil handy, guys, underline that verse. That verse is a weighty verse. If there is one position in life that demands a mature perspective, it's this one. You go, whoa, 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 why? Listen, the Word of God right here declared to us that righteous people die young and wicked people live an old and live in wickedness. Wow. So how do I unpack this? This is tough. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you remember Billy Joel sang that song, Only the Good Die Young? Well, Solomon just declared, the righteous die young, and, and evil people, ungodly people, live to be old and wicked. <laughs> and you and I going, wait, whoa. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to pray the prayer of David, break their teeth out, kill them, and let the good people live. Listen, church, this is very, very, very weighty when you think in terms of children who end up getting cancer. It's very weighty. What did the, ch- what did the child do? And you're like, oh. And you're praying, God, please. And then, and then you hear. You hear, well, Brett Merrick, pastor of the church years ago, his six-year-old daughter went home to be with Jesus couldn't, couldn't beat the cancer. And, and, and we're mad at God. Let's be honest. We're mad at God. And yet, Daisy Merrick is in heaven celebrating. Levi Lesko's daughter at, at, at a very young age had an asthma attack and, and, and died. Wait, wh- seriously? And, and, and this is, how do we impact with what he just said? But it's really about perspective, isn't it? Because this is life. Sometimes the good, the righteous, they die young. And God knows it happens. But let me say this. God doesn't always settle his accounts here on earth. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what that means. Well, what is the end result? When life is all said and done, the righteous man no matter how old he is, the righteous boy, he's in heaven. And the wicked, although he lived a long and wicked life on earth, he's going to spend eternity away from God. So it's all about perspective. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying when these things happen, you and I go, well, that's how it is. It hurts and it breaks us, but we have to have the godly perspective of going, okay, they're in heaven, and this guy, although, ooh, uh, okay. 
when you pray for this current administration, when you pray for these wicked, wicked people that are in office, remember, eternity is far worse than what they're doing. Yeah, they're evil. They're wicked. But you think about it for a second and and you go, okay. I mean, they may have their little, whatever you want to call it here, their little pop light here, their little star bright here, whatever you want to call it on earth. But at the end of the day, all these wicked people who are are making laws for abortion and, and, and all of this stuff that you and I just cringe at, Perspective-wise, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And our goal is to depopulate hell and populate heaven. And we'll let the Lord choose as He brings people in. So when we pray, we pray with the right perspective because that's what God has called us to do. I don't believe. Well, just 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 pray. Just pray. It goes on and we need to hurry to finish. Don't be overly righteous. Don't be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself, Solomon says? Don't be overly wicked. Do don't nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? It is good that that you grasp this and also not remove from your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. Okay, in the Hebrew text, the verbs here in verse 16 carry the idea of, of reflective action. You go, what, what did Solomon say? Help me, Ben. He says, don't claim to be wise in your own eyes. Or don't claim to be self-righteous. He says, there's a danger there. And you go, why? Because most self-righteous people won't hear this. Instead, when we have a Bible study, they're thinking, oh, you know what? So-and-so needs to hear this. So-and-so needs to hear that. These self-righteous people don't go, oh, that's for me. Self-righteous people will read the Bible, but they won't let the Bible read them. That's for somebody else. Hey, I read a verse this morning. You know what it's for? Let me send them a text. Hey, this is for you. This First, it has to go through us, guys. This is, what, this is what Solomon's saying. And he says, and don't be overly wicked. Don't be overly foolish. Why? He says, because you might die before your time. Isn't that great wisdom? Isn't that wisdom? Why? Because, think about this. Think about this. There are a lot of overly wicked or overly foolish people that, that had, they, had they taken the time to, to not be foolish, they would still be alive. You know, they've done foolish things. Hey, you know, especially guys. Come on, let's just be honest, guys. Hey, I bet I can jump from here into the pool, you know, and... No, that's foolish because you trip. Boom, done. I mean, I mean, think, guys, come on. Think about all the stuff that you've done in your life that you're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What, what was I thinking? Because that could have ended up bad. Look at you. are all looking around going, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That's how we are. That's a, listen, I've got a granddaughter who's just the sweetest little thing. Ever since she was little, she holds grandpa's hand, and she's just... Grand, and then I got a grandson who's like, watch this. And he's, I mean, I'm like trying to hold him. He's, not, he's fearless. Make sure that we're not foolish. That's what he's saying. He's going, yeah, you know what? There's, there's some foolish people out here. In verse 18, I want you to grasp the, the term righteous. 
because be, it means if you keep yourself on mission, sharing the gospel to others in the world, okay? Don't be overly righteous. Make sure you're not obnoxious. When I first got saved, I think I was a little obnoxious with the waitress at the at the, the, the Vips Big Boy when we'd go eat because it was like, I want to see people saved, but sometimes you can be a little too much. And that's what Solomon is saying. Okay, moving on. Let's look at verses 19 through 29 very quickly. Wisdom helps us face life stronger. Verse 19, wisdom strengthens the wise more than 10 rulers of the city. Wisdom makes one wise man more powerful than 10 rulers of the city. What are you saying here, Solomon? It says, the wise person fears the Lord and therefore does not fear anyone or anything. Here's what we need to do, guys. We need to fear God. We need to be God-pleasers, not men-pleasers. Well, Ben, if, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill you. Okay. Either way, I win. Either way, I win. I'll never forget the story. A uh, pastor friend of mine early on when I first got saved was telling a story that there was a domestic dispute and, and the wife calls the pastor over and, and says, my husband's crazy. And he shows up and the, the guy the guy pulls a gun right onto the pastor's chest, a gun. And I mean, this is a bad situation. This, here's the, I'm like, uh, it wasn't me. And he looks at him and he says, Jerome, listen, you can pull that trigger. And let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to die, I'm going to heaven, and you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. Do you want to do that, man? Do you want to do that? And it talked him out of it. Jerome ended up getting saved. But I mean, it was in that moment of passion. Now, listen, if you're having a domestic dispute, call the police. Please don't call me. We're good. So here's a question we need to ask. Here's a question. No, I'll be there if you need me. I'll, we'll be there. We've done that before, haven't we, Soph? We soaked. I remember one night we, um, I got a call. You know, my husband's drunk. Can you please come? And I'm like, um, Pastor Self, what are you doing? I was going to bed. Well, get up. You got to go with me because uh, we got to go handle this. And and God is gracious, and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit moves before us. But we've actually had to do that here. What are the, some of the problems, guys, that we face? What are some of the problems in life that we must face? and overcome. And the first question would be sin. We have to overcome sin. So Ecclesiastes 7.20 deals with that. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. In other words, he's saying we're all guilty of both sins of omission and sins of commission. So he says there's not one. Solomon reminds us, guys, that as long as you're in these bodies, there's going to be times when you... You blow it. You sin. What should we do? Quickly repent. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Remember, God loves you and he's already forgiven you, but you've broken the relationship and so you want to mend that relationship. Lord, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I, I, I was here and I was there and, and so forth. And, and be honest. And, 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 and details matter. Lord, please. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You ever get in a fight with your spouse? You ever get in a fight? You go, yeah. You ever get in a bad fight where it's like we're not talking to each other? You want to mend the relationship, guys. And sometimes that means we come and we say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I know you were wrong. So I'm just seeing if you're awake. Just seeing if you're awake. You go, what are the, some of the problems in life that we face? Well, what, a, 
one of the things that we, we struggle with, guys, is what people say about us, don't they? What, what are people saying? Well, look at verse 21 and 22. He says, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. Can you believe that? We're so busted, aren't we? We're so, we're so busted. Why? He says, listen, don't take to heart what people say, but don't, don't, you know, people are going to talk. They're going to say, oh, did you see Tiffany? She has straight hair again. People on the radio are going, I wonder if Tiffany has curly hair. No, she doesn't. I'm just, she just, we, we say stuff. She doesn't. But he says, don't take to heart everything people say. Don't take to heart everything people say. He says, because what will happen is lest you hear your servant cursing you. He goes, but check your own heart. How many times have you cursed others? Mm. Mm. What are some of the problems we face that we must overcome? Well, what about our inability to grasp the meaning of all that God is doing? Ever been there? Lord, what, what are you doing? What, what's going on in Israel? What's happening in our world? How could you allow this election? Yada, yada, yada. You guys know what I'm talking about. Well, Solomon addresses that. Look at verse 23. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. As for which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it out? I applied to my heart to know, to search and seek out wisdom and the reason of things, to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness of madness. You go, Ben, what did he just say? He said, man, I've always tried my best to let wisdom guide my thoughts and actions. And I said to myself, I'm determined to be wise. Because you know what? It didn't work. It didn't work. It seems like wisdom was always distant and difficult to find. He goes, I searched everywhere, and I was determined to find wisdom and to understand the... Right? Isn't that Solomon? I want to find out the wisdom of things, why this works. One of life's problems is that we don't know the meaning of life. It's why we have to trust God at every turn. And maybe... Maybe for you and I, not ask so much why, but trust that God's in everything. What about sinfulness in general? He addresses that too, verse 26 through 29. He says, And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Now, remember, Solomon, notice what he just said. He said, I discovered that seductive women are a trap more bitter than death. Her passion is a snare and her soft hands are chains. Those who are pleasing to God will escape her, but sinners will be caught in her snare. But here's what I want you to think about. Depending on the timing of things, there's a group of people that say, oh, right here, Solomon is repenting. Because over in 1 Kings, what does it say? It said that the woman turned his heart from serving God. So there's a group of people over here. Look at me. 
that believe that Solomon's not in heaven. They asked me, is Solomon in heaven? I don't know. The Bible says that it turned his heart away. But what if he's older now and he goes, you know what? I saw that and I repented from it. And then we're going to run into Solomon in heaven. It depends on where you put the timeline. But according to this, he said, listen, those seductive women that were drawing me in, he says, man, he says, it's a trap. They were, he said, they were more bitter than death. Their passion was a snare. He said, no. Those who are pleasing to God will escape her. And then he says, this is what I found, says the preacher, adding one thing to another to find out the reason, which my soul shall seek, but I cannot find. One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among these I have not found. Truly, this is uh, only I have found, that God made an upright man, but he has sought out many schemes. Basically, here's what he's saying, guys. He's saying, my conclusion, I discovered that looking after everything at every possible angle, I have repeatedly searched, searched, I found that I was looking for. He says, here's what I found. One out of a thousand men is virtuous. He says, but I didn't find one woman. I didn't find one woman. But here's what I did find. God created people to be virtuous, and they have turned each, or they each turned to follow their own downward path. Now, a lot of the women go, wait a minute, one out of a thousand men is virtuous, but not one woman? What's he saying? What's he saying? Solomon could find a rare man in a thousand with wisdom. He says, but not one woman. And this speaks more about Solomon's choice of female companionship than it does about the relative wisdom of men and women. So don't leave here going, well, that's Solomon. He's a, he's, no, no, no. He's, he's basically saying, man, out of 700 wives and 300 concubines, I could not find one virtuous woman. And maybe he kept looking and he wasn't satisfied and he wasn't satisfied and he wasn't satisfied. Okay, so we got to close. <sighs> Grandpa's tired, we're tired. We have a lifetime of wisdom from Solomon. And so what he's going to do, he tells us to process and what he's told us, but to apply the things that we've learned. Okay, what did we learn? Wisdom. Wisdom helps us see life clearly. It's in the Bible. And wisdom helps us face life stronger. So next week, we're going to come back. We're going to do a little bit deeper in verses 25 through 29. And here's what we're going to discover. That Solomon is not satisfied in these verses. Still hasn't found what he's looking for. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. Thank you for your great love for us and your mercy and your grace. Father, we love you, we love you, we love you, and we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, just um, help us to just walk in In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.